curator will see you now. Are you looking for conversations with some of the hottest names in horror today, like Eric LaRocca, Haley Piper, Clay McLeod Chapman, Laurel Hightower, Jamie Flanagan, and Allie Wilkes, along with indie horror superstars like Brianna Morgan and Joe Coach? Then you should tune in to Terrifying Tomes of Terror with your host, the curator of horror, Chance Forshee, wherever you get your podcasts. An agency that sends social workers into the homes of grieving families to impersonate dead loved ones. The kind old woman who saved a teenager's life, but who now finds herself haunted by the weight of a cheated suicide. And the daughter of a candlestick maker as she tries to survive a painful existence after her father's execution for making human chandeliers of drunken cowboys. These stories and more Ranging from supernatural to the frighteningly domestic, splatterpunk to the weird and cosmic, stain the pages of Cut to Care, a collection of Little Hurts by Aaron Dryers. These are stories about caring too much in a world that doesn't always care for you back. Also featuring an exclusive introduction by writer-director Mick Garris, creator of Masters of Horror. Cut to Care by Aaron Dryers, a collection of Little Hurts out now looking for your next horror writing podcast fix the this is horror podcast for readers writers and creators is the ultimate show for writing advice tips and a personal look into the lives of all your favorite authors this is horror podcast listen in to long-form conversations with some of the best writers and creatives on the planet over 400 episodes with masters of horror such as Joe R. Lansdale, Chuck Palahniuk, Josh Mallerman, Joe Hill, Charlene Harris, Craig Clevenger, Ellen Datlow, Kathy Koja, and many more. The This Is Horror Podcast. Listen in at www.thisishorror.com. That's the This Is Horror Podcast for readers, writers, and creators. Welcome to Dead Headspace. I'm your host, Patrick R. McDonough, joined always by my co-host, Brennan LaFaro. Say hi, Brennan. Hello, everybody. Today, we are talking with a returning guest. First came on episode 110 when we had Glenn Rolf on. Second came on uh, for the second annual Halloween special. It's episode 122. And now we have her finally on her own episode, Miss Janine Pipe. Say hi, Janine. Hi. <laughs> now, I, sh- I have to throw out there, you are... Um, a, uh, uh, I don't know what the best word is, but uh, <laughs> a foreign Bostonian. I don't know if that's the right title or whatever, but yeah, you are one of us and, and we freaking love that. You always have a socks hat on. That's great. Uh, Brendan was saying before we started recording that you are getting busier and busier with every time you come on. So, Brendan, I'm actually going to randomly throw it to you and say, you asked the first question. I'd like to know what you come up with. 
Sure. So actually, we have a stock in case you forgot, but we'll go there anyway. Uh, Janine, the first time you came on, you know, we wanted to talk about what got you into horror, but um, I didn't realize until Patrick said it that your your two appearances on here, because um, even though you were here guest hosting for Glenn, um, we did talk a, a little bit about you as well, uh, that your appearances were only 12 episodes apart. And now it's been a little while. Um, so what have you been up to in the interim? Uh, excluding, of course, this, because we're going to talk a whole lot more in depth about this book, Sausages. Um, with personal writing, um, really, Sausages has been the big thing that I've been working on for the last six months or so. Um, and then, because obviously I do um, editorial stuff as well. So in the interim, um, we released Slasher through Candisha Press, which is 21 Slasher inspired stories all by um, women of horror um, and I have got uh, the Clash um, coming of age anthology Nowhere Fast is still open so sort of checking in with that um, we've got some amazing stories already and I can already tell it's going to be absolute hell to try and pick just a few for that because it's just the the caliber of work coming in is just phenomenal um, what else have I been up to um, really just focusing a lot on movie things at the moment, um, whether that be sort of watching them for reviews like screeners and things or just getting involved more in that kind of side of stuff. So I haven't really got anything else that I can necessarily talk about because there's so many things going on behind the scenes as usual. But let's just say I'm always busy as ever. <laughs> <laughs> a rolling Janine gathers no moss. And you know what? I, I kind of took that into consideration, the whole idea that we certainly want to ask you, hey, what do you have coming up? Um, but the fact is, you know, in comparison to even your first appearance, you're not just doing a lot of stuff. You're doing a lot of big stuff, which means that when you come on here, you're not always going to be able to talk about it. But what I would love to hear is, how is that feeling? The fact that you've just got this like library of secrets hanging out up there. <laughs> it's both awesome and really hard because I kind of, I want to talk about it. You know, like I want to <laughs> celebrate it. I want to be like, guess what I'm doing. But luckily <laughs> I have learned to, you know, keep zoop because the kind of the really big thing that's going on um, has already hit its first kind of, um, it, it, it's first stop sign basically where um other people being involved in stuff and whatnot means that it's come to a standstill for now it's still going to go ahead but we've come to to a halt uh, before it can be greenlit properly um and that does seem to be something that's often the case um especially in the more of the movie world and that kind of thing so i've learned very early that there's a reason why you don't talk about these things and whatnot because it can take a long long time to actually from that idea and first pitching and talking to people and then all the other people that become involved and whatnot sometimes it gets halted at that stage until something else can be done and if you've kind of let slip about it then it's not necessarily a good thing and things change so much as well mm. there's something else I've learned about especially kind of like with movies and things is that um there's a reason why directors don't release who their big cast members are to start with because a lot of the time that changes and people drop out for different reasons and stuff so yeah it's wonderful to have all these things kind of bubbling but it's also kind of almost in that limbo at the moment where 
I know that at any point someone could say, bam, right, we need to start this. You know, we're now in pre-production for what, you know, whatever. And when there's several things just there, you don't know what's going to come first. And sod's law will be that I'll have about three phone calls and everything will come at once. (laughs) (laughs) I'm waiting for that day when you say, well, I got a movie coming out. Sean Pertwee's a star. (laughs) That that seriously has to happen. I just want to say that your love for sausages, it shines through so much on every page. And, And talking about your success, um, it, it might sound like I'm kissing your ass cause you're a guest, but like you're, I've, I've known you for like two, maybe three years now. Your, your friendliness, your, your love and, and just like general kindness to show care, even if you can't help, even if you can't help because you're too busy, you, you genuinely show kindness. That is inspirational. I know for Brennan and I, and I'm sure for a lot of other people too, um, so I just had to throw that out there that um, people that haven't read uh, maybe Tainted Twisted Tales 2, I think it would be a really good time to read that before your bibliography pulls up. <laughs> All right. So joining us now is Mark Allen Miller. Look at I, uh, I wore a hat just because uh, I, I. So you I fit in. It. Yeah, I know. It was exactly <laughs> because uh, I wanted to fit in. So <laughs> It's she not needs- a Red Sox hat, though, is it? <laughs> not a red I, I think it is logo free i think uh we're gonna have to blur you out yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um we can just photoshop a b onto it it'll be fine nobody will notice absolutely yeah. first time janine and i have been on a, a live thing together really lots of emails <laughs> lots of whatsapping yeah but here we are talking uh in real time that's awesome i'm not <laughs> that's that's spectacular oh that's really cool uh mark why don't you give us a quick introduction as to who you are sir hello hello i'm hello. mark Allen miller i've written books and comic books and produced films and uh produced uh distributed published what, what's the right word published some books uh, <laughs> i've got a, i've got a couple over here i've got a private war i've got uh preston fossils uh Landis book and we I've given everything else away I have a hard cover of scared to death uh you know we do novelizations we do uh fun horror books uh there's a, there's a lot of stuff that uh, that I've done uh mostly I just get to uh I get to do this I would say that's my job is talking to uh folks like you and uh, laughing with Janine that's an awesome job. <laughs> Encyclopocalypse Encyclopocalypse publications Yes, you said it right. Congratulations. Trust me. I, All I, that practice paid off. I was really I was really worried. And on top of that, <laughs> man, you, you have a little thing to do with uh, Clyde Barker's um, production company, too, which is pretty damn cool. Yeah, I did that for 10 years, man. I, awesome. uh, I started out as an intern. I worked there for like for free for a couple of years just to, you know, to stay on the radar. And finally, a spot opened up. Started as a like an editor, uh, copy editing comic books, which was totally a dream come true. And then the writer uh, at that time couldn't complete a deadline. So they gave it to me and then I ended up taking over the arc. And from there, I ended up, you know, uh, copy editing a lot of Clive's other books and uh, became vice president of the company, produced some films, uh, created content with Clive. You know, it was uh, it was a cool run. 
Books of Blood is on Hulu. You don't have to watch it. I've never seen it. (laughs) (laughs) Did not think you'd say that. It's a ringing endorsement. (laughs) I got got as far as, you know, the, my, uh, the credit with my name on it. And I was like, this movie's great. That's all I need to know. (laughs) All right. So moving on to Janine's book, I want to hear all about this. How did you first hear about this project? How did I hear about sausages? Well, Janine Pipe emailed me and made sure I could never forget about sausages. (laughs) That is the it's a it's a. it's a what, what do you call it? It's like a it's a bougie quote, uh, not to use that word too much, but uh, there's a there's a there's a quote that says there's genuine magic in boldness. And uh, Janine is the embodiment of that. She she just emailed me out of the blue. I don't know who I don't know who recommended. How did you get the the email or the text? It was an email, right? If I yeah. recall correctly, you emailed and you just very enthusiastically sent me this amazing pitch. And it was it was just perfect. Like she had all the elements in place and she was like here and and I can get an interview with with this person. And and I and, you know, and Neil Marshall's on board and she's pitching her to her, her little heart out. And, you know, I didn't I didn't I didn't have the heart to tell her like uh, she I was I was totally she could have just said, how about a how about a dog soldiers uh, making a book? And I would have been that sounds great. Uh, but, you know, there was a whole. Because we have our nonfiction does very well. You know, uh, we've got some Halloween books and uh, some phantasm like making of stuff by uh, this dude, Dustin McNeil, who's who does some really cool, like long form, just massive, massive there. Uh, you can see the I think the paperbacks are back there unless I gave those away, too. But uh, he does these uh, gigantic, you know, uh, making of books. And what's uh, his name? Dustin McNeil. Super, super cool dude, super cool books. Uh, And, you know, I'm always uh, very, very interested in more nonfiction, uh, which I don't get pitched a lot. And uh, Janine came in and and it was I mean, it was like it was a fully formed book when she pitched it to me. You know, it was it was all there. That's that's sort of what I'm looking for when someone uh, pitches me something, not the you know, I've got an idea. What if we did this, uh, you know, and then you do all the work. Uh, Janine <laughs> had done, she'd already done all the work. Uh, and it was it was basically a matter of me going, yeah, that sounds awesome. And, and, and you know, and here we are with sausages. It's fantastic. So, so I will absolutely break down without spoilers, um, which definitely say, hey, halts, because we don't need Brennan my trip up with spoilers and don't want to add <laughs> even even though the movie's super you know super old now but yeah, the movie's um, been out if there are any spoilers that's on you <laughs> <laughs> but with the book itself there are a lot of really fucking uh, cool things right. that i never knew about you yeah, know spoil those things yeah so you know while we got you on man i do want to ask uh about you talked about pitches um with whatever you're comfortable with saying I'd like to know, do you genuinely get that type of thing where it's, you said, uh, I have an idea and then they do, they want you to do most of the work. Does that, cause that can mean a few things. And I want to make sure I understand that correctly. What does that, what does that mean exactly when, when they expect you to do most of the work? Okay. Uh, I'll like the, I'd say the best example uh, would be, I mean, cause this has been happening for, 15 years to me now because uh, uh, you know when when people find out you work for Clive Barker 
they want to send you their ideas, you know? <laughs> so I got a lot of ideas sent my way uh, that, you know, the decade I was there and, and the ideas uh, still keep coming my way, but it's, it's uh, like the one that always made me laugh, uh, which is even funnier now that the Candyman remake uh, actually happened, but there literally once a week, someone would find my email send me send me and just send me a message that was like hey you ever thought about rebooting Candyman?" and like literally that's the whole idea and, <laughs> and i'm and i'm you know i would sit sit there staring at the email so i'm like i don't i don't know i feel like i feel like that was you know it was a pretty obvious idea we've kind of been trying to do that you know there were there were things called rights and there are all these other issues but uh it's stuff like that it's it's like the one sentence idea that doesn't really go anywhere and then they're like all right you know i gave you magic what else do you need <laughs> i i told you to reboot candy man it's all i got uh so you know there there's a lot of that that i would say that's the best way to to explain uh the concept of here's an idea now go do it you know what i'm sure it's happened to each and every one of you because we're all writers it's happened to me too and i just I've, we've talked about this a few times but it's worth repeating that uh um like i was out with my parents before and we were in the shop some guy said that um something about writers and reading and my mom's like hey tell him i'm like don't say anything. I don't want to engage. Do it. <laughs> because nine times out of 10, there is someone that will say, I have an idea and you yeah. do the work. So that's yeah. pretty much what I thought it was. That's really, yeah. <laughs> that's really funny and sad, man. Um, I did check your website because I was curious. I don't see how you submit. So is it that someone tracks down your email address and stalks Basically, you? Basically, yeah. You know, <laughs> stops me. <laughs> <laughs> You have to answer three riddles. Yeah, we learned something else about Janine today. She <laughs> she's also a gypsy. I gotta hear. I do gotta hear from you. Yes, Janine, you're getting away with murder here. You're far too quiet. Would Janine? Would Janine? She's one of the nicest people in the world. I would say, and I want to hear you say nice things about her. <laughs> I'm putting you on the spot <laughs> all day long. Uh, so, you know, her email was, uh, was fully realized. The book was already there. It was, it was, she made it very easy for me to say yes. Uh, and the, like, what else can you say? She's a beacon of positivity. Everyone that uh, comes across her path loves her. Uh, fair, fair she, enough. She, you know, the, um, she's just, I, 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 started it with the 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 goethe quote about boldness and i think you know that's i think that's the perfect quote to describe the way uh janine uh lives her life you know she's just she just puts herself out there and uh because she's awesome you know people love her so uh i you know i i i like to emulate that a little more that that's awesome and we were saying before um that it's really inspiring because there's you know, with me personally, when I first started the show before that, I was doing a review site. It was nerve, you know, it was a little nerve wracking because you put people yeah. on a pedestal. But sure. when you when you start to talk to more people, you realize that most people are really, really, really nice. And it's that being said, they're not as outwardly friendly, just in general as Janine. 
So right. <laughs> and few people yeah. are. <laughs> but but to hear like Neil Marshall on the 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 slew of just like celebrities that love dog soldiers that that talked and interviewed in this book is it's yeah. just it's really it gives people hope that like hey you know she she didn't have like all these connections starting off the bat and she's just herself and that's at the end yeah. of the day that's reassuring if that's not inspiring i don't know what it is so brennan take over because <laughs> i'm just gonna keep saying the same thing over and over again <laughs> okay. yeah that was, uh, I, i'll add that that's the sort of the you know uh dustin uh who does the uh the other uh non-fiction books i've mentioned is uh in a similar uh like operates in a similar capacity he doesn't mm-hmm. you know he doesn't live uh in california or new york he's not uh you know plugged into the entertainment industry but he gets he's tenacious he gets all the interviews uh people love his books and you know he uh he does he does really well like he doesn't have to you don't have to have uh you know the job in LA to uh to to make the uh the entertainment dream come true you can you can be a working writer you can be uh you, you all you have to do is say that you are like that's you know that's J- Janine woke up one day and said I'm a writer and guess what? Here we all are. That's how it's literally how it worked. That's it. <laughs> she yeah. kicked its ass into existence. Yeah. <laughs> I was actually I was told by my counselor in middle school, eighth grade, because uh, I wanted to write my whole life. And it used to be filmmaking. That's that was my focus back then. And he said, the only way you're going to do that is if you move to California, New York. But keep in mind, that was 20, 2001, 2002. Wow. So it was before social media is what it is today, but that's really coming from a publisher such as yourself and where you've worked to hear that I, it's reassuring. I'm sure to people listening to this that are newer or aspiring writers. So appreciate that. No, absolutely. And, you can write, you know, wherever you are. That's the beauty of writing. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's true. Uh, Janine, I want to throw it to you. So, you know, Mark kind of took us through uh, receiving a fully formed idea. And you talked a little bit about, you know, uh, snowballing the idea of just taking this movie you loved and turning it into a how-to book. But truth be told, you don't spend a lot of time there in the book because there's this attitude of like, it's not about me. I want to talk about this movie. Let's see if we can do that by page seven. Um, So here's your opportunity. Tell us, you know, how you arrived at that fully formed pitch that you sent to Mark. Ooh, great question. I want to know too. Yeah, it was it was also to do with timing, really. Um, I had realized that we were coming up to the 20th anniversary and it was almost uh, a now or never. It was a perfect time to write something. And one of my bucket list items had been to write for Fangoria, which, you know, for a lot of horror writers, Fangoria is the be all and end all of magazines. Mm-hmm. Um, and I had pitched to Phil over there again to write a short feature about the 20th anniversary. And that was kind of how I um, originally got in touch with Neil. And that kind of thing, reaching out to him via his agent and saying, uh, you know, I've got um, I want to be able to write this feature for Fangoria. Uh, Can I interview you and all this kind of stuff? And uh, through Neil, um, he got me in touch with Sean Pertwee and Kevin McKidd and Darren Morford to start with as well for the and some of the special effects guys to write the piece for Fangoria. But what I found was that. Although the Fangoria piece is amazing, it was only 2,000 words because it's a magazine piece amongst so many other features. 
And Neil had so many stories and he was so infused in speaking about the, the movie and everybody else that had been involved with it, even though it was like coming up to 20 years old, they, it was still like the favorite movie that they'd ever made, the most fun that they'd ever had on set and all this kind of stuff. And I thought to myself, there's so much more here. I could write a whole book about this. So originally I spoke to Neil and I said to him, um, I pitched the idea to Neil about a biography whether that might be something that he was interested in. And Neil actually said to me, I would love for you to write a biography about me, but I've just read a book called You've Got Red On You, which is the Shaun of the Dead making of book. And I would absolutely love someone, hint, hint, to write a book like that about dog soldiers. So it was kind of actually Neil that said to me, why don't you write a book about dog soldiers? So I was like, shit. (laughs) That sounds amazing. What do you say to that? There's right, only one okay. So so my favorite director in the entire world wants me to write a book about my favorite movie in the entire world. Well, that's <laughs> awesome. But I kind of need a publisher because everything that I've done so far had either been short stories that I'd submitted for anthologies or my own collection, which I self-publish. And I knew something as big as this would be, there was no way that I could possibly self-publish it. I, I just didn't have all, all of the things that I would need. And um, I knew about Insight Apocalypse because I had uh, Fright Night, the novelization. And I went onto the website and I realized that there was, you know, obviously that they do a lot of the movie tie-in stuff, but there was some other bits and pieces as well. And I actually, because we'd followed each other on Twitter, and um, I actually sent a DM. And I believe it was Preston that replied to me on the DM and said, you need to talk to Mark. So that's how I got your email from Preston. (laughs) You can thank him. Mystery solved. (laughs) There we go. Mystery solved. So he said, "Um, you need to talk to Mark. And I was like, oh, okay," because Mark is like an entity that people speak about and nobody knows how to get hold of it. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> this mysterious person. So like, oh, the best friend. They don't know how to get a hold of me either. Exactly. But he refuses to put his uh, email on the website. So. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, uh, so yeah, I, I don't leave this room, words. guys. <laughs> <laughs> and um, and then basically, what I did to Mark was I just was myself, um, and it was it was this massively garbled but overly enthusiastic kind of pitch that I sent to him. Hi, Mark. I've got this book. I think that you're awesome. Please, may I write it for you? Kind of thing. It was literally, you know, what I'm like, it was that kind of a, a pitch. It wasn't professional in the slightest. And the thing that I knew immediately, Mark like messaged me straight back and was like, "Yes, yes, we're going to do this." But it was also, uh, I can't remember Mark's exact words, but it was something like, "Being professional doesn't matter in this capacity. It's the enthusiasm. It's everything that you've got here. It's the fact that you've got Neil on board." and all that kind of stuff that's what we need uh, you know it doesn't need to be a dry kind of like this is what I intend to do pitch. Right, right, got right. everything that you need is right here and uh, and that was it really and now Mark can't get rid of me <laughs> yeah that's yeah, right. awesome four hours of sleep uh, going yes yes Janine is amazing can I go home <laughs> Janine can I please may I leave <laughs> I'll get a text. She'll let me know when it's time. (laughs) The only one that I can remember that was ever that close to the camera on purpose was Ramsey Campbell. You and Ramsey. (laughs) On purpose? (laughs) He did it on purpose too? He he tried to be creepy. 
Oh, that's funny. <laughs> I just had to throw that tidbit out there. Not to t- oh, gloss over, that. not to gloss over Janine's thing. That sounds so like, I'm not even surprised about how that happened. <laughs> I am not surprised at all. And like, I really hope that biography on nail happens. I would so love to read that. That'd be amazing. Um, I was curious about something with your press mark. Is this, man, I, I might sound silly because I didn't do my homework on this, but is this, is your press like, do you guys have books in chain bookstores, any bookstores and stuff like that? Or, or can people, is it where people would just go on Amazon to look for this? Like, I'm just trying to see where people yeah, can find. I mean, everything's on Amazon. Sure. Uh, there we're, we're in a few bookstores, uh, especially Landis, uh, Preston. But that's I think that's generally like, you know, uh, authors uh, pounding the pavement uh, is, uh, I mean, again, back to back to Janine's, you know, work ethic. Uh, it really is just about, you know, getting it out there. Uh, so Preston is uh, Preston's another example of someone who you know knows how to sell his book (laughs) he just uh like he's always doing conventions he's always doing shows and screenings he brings books with him to sign and talk about pardon me cat hair and then uh and he's he's the one that you know spread the word and told some uh some of his favorite bookstores about the book and so they were able to you know pick up a copy uh through through Amazon and and I think Ingram, if I'm not mistaken, but uh, but yeah, you know we're we're in some bookstores. Uh, some of them are bigger stores. Some of them are like you know small indies. Like we've got uh, dark. We've got books in Dark Dell, uh, Dark Delicacies. I always I always abbreviate. Uh, but uh, yeah, Dark Delicacies in Burbank, where we do signings and stuff. They've got a lot of our books. Uh, it's basically, you know, it's, it's sort of a build a bear, you know, uh, press, it's, uh, the, the author tells me what they want. We see if we can make that happen. Uh, and you know, if we, we, and we try to make, you know, every author's dream come true to the best of our abilities. That's great. So speaking of dreams come true, I mean, your favorite director, your favorite movie, what, this is not going to be a fair question, Janine, but how do I word this? What, 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 uh, if, if you were to have dreamt, this is the book I would have wanted to write of the entire process so far, what would you say has put the biggest smile on your face? Um, going right back to the beginning, just Neil accepting the interview in the first place, um, which was via his agent. Because as much as agents are vital in the industry and needed and all of that, they are buggers to get through sometimes. And um, I actually, when I contacted Neil's agent, I also contacted Sean's agent at the same time. Mm. And Sean, so this is so two of my happiest, uh, it was my happiest and one of my worst memories of the whole thing were together because Neil's agent got back to me straight away and said, yes, Sean's agent got back to me straight away and said, no, he doesn't want anything to do with it. And um, oh, wow. <laughs> Uh, obviously I spoke to Sean many, many times since, and he didn't know anything about it. And he was like, of course I wanted to do it, but it just shows that the agents do field things. And sometimes, you know, it's not always the actor or whoever you're talking to's choice. 
Um, and that was well, everybody else, more or less, that I spoke to with this was because of Neil, because he had personal emails and personal phone numbers and all of that kind of thing. So there was no trying to get through all those third parties, which, again, I say, you know, agents are are necessary, but they can be difficult to try and pin people down with. So just having Neil on board 100 percent through all of I mean, he more or less co-wrote it with me. You know, you can say it in that respect because he was there every step of the way. Neil, have you got so-and-so's number? Yeah, here we go. Just make sure that you tell him it's from me kind of thing. Or he'd be like, oh, um, because, again, to start with, I don't know whether the emails were going to junk mail, possibly, because, you know, nobody they, they don't know me. So my emails right. could have gone or whether they were just ignoring me. Again, absolutely fine. When you get this Disney email come through, you're probably going like, what the fuck is that? <laughs> so, uh, so Neil was kind of obviously like telling people she's legit. This is a, you know, she is doing this really, you know, please speak to her kind of thing. Um, yeah. And the first time that so my first conversation with Neil was just a phone call. Thank God, because I was like bright red, like sweating, like <laughs> just like absolutely like I think I was like shaking as I was speaking to him. And then I had a phone call with what was I thought it was a phone call with Sean Pertwee the next day. So I'm kind of sat here where I am now again, bright red, shaking, sweating, thinking, oh, my God, it's Sean Pertwee. And um, it, it fl- flashed up as a FaceTime interview, obviously video oh. interview with him. And I was like, <laughs> <laughs> I have to look Sean Pertwee in the eye as I speak to him now. But they were all, and the same with Kevin McKidd, he did that as well. He just suddenly popped up on my screen and was like, hi, nice to meet you. But they were all just so lovely. And just speaking with them all, you know, they were so generous with their time. I mean, Kev McKidd is just so busy. You know, he's over in LA as well, you know, doing Grey's Anatomy and all of that kind of stuff. So we spoke for nearly an hour and a half. Um, Half of it was about, dog soldiers half of it was about just other completely random stuff because he just wanted to talk he was lovely and all of that's just put such a massive smile on my face all the way through and I'm like yay I spoke to one of my most favorite actors in the world <laughs> that's so cool um you know what to talk about Sean Pertwee just from another angle we had Jordan Harper on last year and he wrote for Gotham and he had nothing but wonderful things to say about those actors and it's really cool to hear that because that's stuff i mean i don't know where else i would have heard things of that nature um so that's another amazing thing that they are just people a lot of the times it's pretty cool um brennan there's a lot to pick from from this uh from sausages so yeah i I, want to take us on a, a quick tangent before i go back and throw another question out um a theme of this episode seems to be enthusiasm. And I think it's so important um, to note whether you are a writer or even, you know, an indie press, just how important enthusiasm is in, you know, picking who to work with, picking your projects and things like that. Um, Mark, one thing I wanted to throw out is when Silver Shamrock went belly up a few months ago, Encyclopocalypse was one of the very first presses that kind of came out publicly and said, what can we do to help? Um, And, you know, we've seen a couple books get reissued there. Uh, Glenn Rolfe's books both came out with uh, fantastic new covers by uh, Donnie Goodman. Um, And, you know, I was one of those authors, too, who was displaced. And I found that the importance of, you know, finding somebody 
who, you know, you, you want to go with, you know, distribution, you want to go with somebody who's going to, going to market well, but what it came down to when making the decision on where I was going to go uh, and what I was going to do with these homeless books, I, I really couldn't, you know, overstress, you know, people pitching just how excited they were to read these things. And that's all that was zipping through my head when I hear the exchange between you and Janine with her uh, filling an email with, I mean, was there anything besides exclamation marks in there? Was there <laughs> and then, you know, no, you, you just well. kind of, you, you getting that infectious enthusiasm, giving it right back. Like, I don't give a shit how professional this is. Like, this is somebody who is unbelievably passionate about this work and is going to, you know, throw everything she's got at it and, you know, give it, give it her absolute best. So I, again, I just, anybody who's listening like that enthusiasm, it matters. Um, for as far as an actual question is concerned, I would love to hear from either or both of you, Janine, I'll throw it to you first, uh, about kind of the timeline of everything, or interviews and transcribing and, you know, uh, formatting and just everything that went into making the book come together. Um. It all happened really fast, actually. Uh, and part of that was um, a sort of um, a self-imposed deadline because I wanted it to be as close to the actual 20th anniversary of the movie because that was the whole point of it. It wouldn't have mattered if it had come out in like the October instead of the May, but May 10th was the 20th anniversary of the movie. And that was the date I had in mind. I wanted it to be as close as possible to that. So I think by the time um, Mark and I had exchanged sort of contracts and emails and things was probably start of to mid-January. So I kind of just just went at it, basically. And again, oh I already God. had quite a few contacts because of uh, writing the Fangoria article and all of that kind of stuff. Um, and Neil was like right on the ball as well. With like, These are the people that you need to speak to, you know, sort of like you, the different designers and whatnot. He just like sent me a spreadsheet with all of like the names and people. And luckily, um, I think there was maybe two people that we asked that just couldn't um, commit because of uh, they were filming you know so they were away and, and they couldn't um although they would have liked to have done something they weren't able to but every other person again just in testament to how um much people revere neil within the the field as well everybody else was like yes of course i want to do that and i'll get it to you like more or less straight away so it went quite quickly just being able to get all those bits and pieces. As I say, it was only a couple of people, Kev being one of them, just because he is so busy and over in LA, so therefore time difference and that kind of thing. But otherwise, um, I got most of the interviews done, um, recorded them, just sat and transcribed. And, you know, just sometimes, as we all do as writers, would be there just sat at midnight, still like listening to interviews and tapping away and stuff. But um, uh, yeah, it, it, it also, it was... I don't want to say it was easy to write, um, but it wasn't difficult because, again, I was just like, oh, I get to write about this bit now. Yay! And kind of like, you know, there wasn't, it was just, it was exciting to write about. I was watching chunks of it or listening to bits of it and being like, oh, brilliant, yeah, add that bit in now yeah. and that kind of thing. So, um, well, you know, I just, I'd find myself like, oh, is it, is it tomorrow yet so I can write the next part that I'm doing and everything. 
Um, and I had this feedback from um, Christian, um, who was at the press. He did all of the formatting and just made it look beautiful and would curse me every time I'd send another photo over and that kind of thing. Because um, the, you know, also, also an Encyclopocalypse author. Yeah, that's right. And um, and he gave me a lot of feedback about things as we were going as well, because, of course, then it wasn't that was another reason why I knew that I needed somebody um, like the press to, to do this, because it was never just going to be words. It was always going to be the photos. Um, and we've got original um, shot lists. Um, we've got parts of the script and all of that kind of stuff. And I knew that there was no I, I can barely use word. You know, so I knew there was no way I was going to be able to do all of that. And Christian's just fucking genius when it comes because it really does. And so many people have just like, you know, even if they haven't read it, have flicked through the book. <gasps> there it is. And just been like, it just looks beautiful inside. And it really does. So, um, yeah, it was. Uh, and again, the other thing that's uh, easier for me um with writing this is that you're not second guessing yourself because it's not fiction so when you're writing fiction you're constantly like oh my god there's a giant plot hole here mm. kind of thing now i've got to go back and fix that what is this character doing you know they started off doing this and now they're doing that. oh my god and you like get yourself all caught up in circles and open cans of worms about different things whereas with this there was none of that because i was just chronologically following the actual movie and then just filling it in with little tidbits that different people had given me along the way so it's actually in that respect far easier than writing your own stuff because you're not questioning all the time should I do this should I do that am I going to offend someone if I write this or would a character really do that it was just all there you know what's really cool about all this is you're talking about Fangoria I mean like that your book is discussed on all the biggest websites in this genre and i i just is that was that something that you personally did with paving the uh i'm fucking that phrase up <laughs> what is it how you it, it just left my head um someone help me out please i am drowning <laughs> like everyone's shaking their head <laughs> okay I don't know the phrase you guys aren't helping. So I'll move on. Janine, is that, was that you're doing or, or is that just like the, the word spread like a, a hot fire? Uh, that's not the phrase either. I am. I fire. I'm fired. That's okay. It's fine. Okay. It's fine. We know what you mean. All right. In this, <laughs> um, in this metaphor, sausages is Nashville hot chicken. And <laughs> Neil Marshall is. Well, the colonel, uh, what, obviously. Yeah, the colonel. <laughs> roast pheasant. What do we. What, what, What's the what's the hot metaphor? Where where are we at? <laughs> Stop talking. You're sounding like me. Yeah. Oh god. Um, so <laughs> getting the press release um, with Fangoria um, wasn't too difficult because I already had that in. If that makes sense, because I'd already written something for Phil, so I already knew um, Angel and Ariel and other people involved over at Fangoria. So it was just a case of um, Mark getting the press release written up and sent over, kind of thing. That 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 wasn't too bad when we did that original one, um, and then I kind of. Um, just knew that I'd wanted bloody disgusting to be involved in some way. And it seemed that the cover reveal and um, then the official sort of um, 
when it was released just seemed to be something that they would be interested in. And so I contacted um, John over there and said, would you be interested in this? And he, of course, just said yes straight away. Um, and then we also got uh, Dread Central. But again, it's a lot of it is just through um, Twitter interaction, which I... <laughs> You know, Twitter is one of these things where there's a lot of positives and there's a lot of negatives, but I use it in a very specific way um, with networking and that kind of thing um, and being supportive of other people. And I've managed to build up, you know, not a huge presence, but enough that I, I'm able to approach people like Bloody Disgusting and Dread Central now and they kind of know who I am. Um, so I'm able to say, you know, please may you do this. But and and again, it's just always that it's being like courteous and polite as well, and not, not kind of saying, I've got a book out. Will you, you know, put it on your website on the day? You yes. know, it, it's, there's nothing demanding about it. It's sending them all of the relevant information so they don't have very much work to do, and then being like, would you be able to please? I'd really appreciate it. You're a brilliant website. You get, you know, you'll get me loads of eyes on that, and I'd be really grateful if you could. So it's just, it's just that interaction as well. That's amazing, and um, it's pound on the pavement, Pat. So I remember on the guys. pavement. Good yeah. expression. Um, that's where path on fire. There we go. No, that's that's excellent stuff. It is really important to know um, that when you're using social media to just kind of keep your eye on the prize. And that's what you do, because it can really be any day and someone's going to be fighting. And you don't want to get roped into that for whatever reason, because if you don't, you get results like what you got. And you can't even talk about most of it, which is amazing. <laughs> um, OK, so what I'm about to ask specifically Stop me if there's anything that you don't want revealed uh, for potential readers. So one thing in this book, when you I'm jumping way ahead to the end, you talk about famous fans. And one thing I didn't know was, first off, Simon Pegg, who's one of my favorite actors, could have been in it. And also Edgar Wright has a connection with it, too. So how? Is that where you talked with Neil or how'd you find that? How'd you find that out? That's, that's really cool. Yeah, that would have been, that would have come from Neil. Um, just the initial, um, cause we had maybe four or five um, sort of zoom sessions where, um, you know, like being like in a writer's room kind of thing where we would just sit and he would tell me bits and pieces. And again, we just did it chronologically. So when we got to the casting bits kind of thing and he suddenly, you know, threw in Simon Pegg and Jason Statham, who we also tried to get hold of, but um, we weren't able to get past agents for him, but you know, he is super duper famous. Yeah. Um, uh, you know, then it was all those little nuggets that Neil would just throw in, and then I'd be, uh, and it was, uh, you know, I also love Simon Pegg, um, Shaun of the Dead, and Hot Fuzz are two of mm. my most favorite movies as well. So um, again, it was like, oh, have you got an email for Simon? Then yeah, 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 tr try this and see if it works. And he was another one that kind of like emailed me back straight away, and I was like, oh, Simon Pegg. 
this is so cool oh my god <laughs> and he he was lovely as well um his was a quite a few of them were own like sort of those kind of guys were just email exchanges but it was still just as exciting I was still sweating and shaking as I was <laughs> typing my questions and things um yeah and uh, again you know and I loved his story the fact that he hadn't watched the film until recently because it was always his like one that got away and, yep. you know that kind of thing and I just thought that was so cool as well and uh, and then he was just lovely to Darren Morfitt, who obviously ended up playing Spoon, like that he was the perfect person and, you know, he was glad of the path that he'd taken and all that kind of stuff. But there is, um, there's a lot of parallels between Dog Soldiers and Shaun of the Dead, you know, to, when you when you look into the, the makings of them. Um, and I would definitely recommend um, Clark Collis's uh, You've Got Red On You, making of Shaun of the Dead book as well. That's another one which is beautiful, absolutely gorgeous book. Um, and that is really, it, it's very similar to Sausages in that it's very, very detailed and insightful. Um, but he's got years and years of um, writing for Entertainment Weekly and all of that kind of stuff. So his is more probably journalistic, whereas mine's just like, yay, I love this film. And here's some information for you. <laughs> <laughs> Brandon, off to you again, sir. I, you know, that that just reminds me of uh, you, Patrick and I kind of simultaneously got 20, 30 pages into this book. And we both said the same thing, that just the love of it shows through and mm. you're unapologetic on that and you tell everybody right up front like look this is not going to be uh this you know behind the scenes spats and 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 all this stuff this is you're going to learn some cool shit about this uh we're going to dive into scene by scene and get some you know uh some tales about the making from these big names but i'm gonna gush for 400 pages here so like strap <laughs> in because here we go now yeah. It sounds like the overall, the writing of it was, I'm still blown away by you saying you basically started it in January and were able to put it out in May. Like that's still running around in my head, but it sounds <laughs> like overall it was, yeah. it was pleasant. And as you put it, not difficult. Um, <laughs> so what I want to know is, I think the, the two questions, number one is easy. Would you do this again? And number two, if you could write a behind the scenes book about any movie, forget the contacts you do or don't have, what would you do? Okay. So, uh, would I do it again? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Will I be doing it again? Yes, definitely. Awesome. <laughs> um, any movie. It's difficult because like Neil's movies are my favorite movies. And obviously um, I know Neil, so that would be, but um, okay. So this will be surprising because it's not even a horror movie, but my other most favorite movie, which I've watched about a zillion times. And again, it's one of those films I'm not allowed to watch with other people because I annoy them too much by just parroting <laughs> their little lines. It's the Goonies. Oh my God. Yep. <laughs> That's got enough horror elements that you can sneak that in there. Yeah, you know, it's it's kind of like the fun house. Toby Hooper's mm. the fun house, but with kids. It's I'm, exactly. <laughs> I'm really surprised it's not a Disney movie. I really thought you were going to go there. No, there you go. See, yeah, Goonies is one of my all-time favorite films since I was like five or six and first rented it from the video shop. Seen it so many times. And uh, 
And actually, it's one of Neil's favorite movies as well. He absolutely loves oh, all the, the Spielberg stuff. There's a lot of um, films like that that inspired his original filmmaking, you know, of a Super 8 back in the day. And uh, yeah, so, uh, and if it was horror, um, another <laughs> movie which I absolutely love is uh, Brain Dead or Dead Alive to you guys. So, as uh, oh, Peter Jackson. Peter right? Jackson. Yeah. Oh, my. <laughs> That'd be crazy. <laughs> That should, novelization. that should happen. That should definitely happen. Oh my God. I can't got me excited for you. Um, <laughs> I can't think about, sorry. I'm just thinking about her talking. Yeah, I want to throw out really quick. In any of your talks <laughs> with, uh, with Neil, if, if, if ever the, uh, the proposed sequel or sequels to dog soldiers were to go ahead, would you have a cameo in there? Oh. Would you show up as a corpse or something? I hope so. Yeah. yeah. I, I'd, want to, I'd want to be a werewolf. Come on. There you go. <laughs> right. Why are you going to be a corpse in Dog Soldiers too when you can be a wolf? Exactly. Exactly. Or a werewolf corpse. Ooh. <laughs> there you go. I threw out corpse. You went with werewolf. This is you shooting for the damn stars again. All right. <laughs> yeah. I don't you got to raise the bar. <laughs> <laughs> They are they are some of the scariest werewolves to ever walk they on are, film. Right, they yeah. really are, and they're huge. So, good luck. You know when we were, you were talking about in the book how um, I forget who it was. There was a one of the one of the soldiers was running away. I just thought like it doesn't matter. You're gonna die. They got they got two more legs than you. And they're massive. <laughs> um, what do you do in that situation? And you know what I really like is how you uh, bring up how. I think it was Neil that talked about it, um, how it's it's a horror version of Goldilocks. And I never thought of that movie like that until you brought that up and you explain why. And it makes perfect sense. That's really cool because a lot of the oldest stories, they're super fucked up and, and they are horror. And, oh, yeah. And your love for the genre itself is just like, yeah, this makes sense that she would write this book. Um, Brennan. Uh, I was wondering for the very next thing, because uh, I, I really don't want to cover everything. I, I want people to, you know, get going fresh. Um, is there anything else that you want to cover while we're on sausages? You know, I, I think we hit like a lot of the big bullet points, even the ones that we didn't ask questions about. Um managed to work their way in, you know, something that I really took away was a book like this has to have uh you know, the photos in it. It's yeah. Okay. You're coming for the story, but at the same time, it's just, it's a, it's a different monster than, you know, your average uh, paperback that is just, you're, you're there to read it from cover to cover. You know, you want to kind of see when you're hearing a story, you want that visual of the scene it comes from. Uh, you want to remember what uh, Kevin McKidd looked like in, uh, 19, in, in 2001 or whatever uh, versus now. Um, and I, I think that was so huge. Uh, the cover we didn't really talk about, but it is spectacular. Look at, wearing it. Look at the shirt. Look at that. Yeah, yeah. That's so that's so cool. Um, Again, that was uh, that was all Janine, by the way. She's like, I, I think I think he I think he's willing to do the artwork. And I'm there going, well, then, yeah, then we'll do that. It's <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Easy decision. Yeah, she um, made it very easy to say yes all the time. <laughs> yep. 
And I mean, another thing we kind of skirted around was the the formatting, the setup, the breakdown into sections that make it very easy uh, and digestible. Like, I mean, it's it's wonderful. You did you did a knockout job and, you know, 400 pages went by just, you know, in a blink. Really, really spectacular work. Thank you. (laughs) Is there anything, Mark or Janine, that you guys want to cover that we haven't covered yet about sausages that you want people to know? The book is amazing. Buy it, read it, read it twice. Uh, buy a copy for your friend, read it to them. Uh, we are uh, discussing uh, prepping the audiobook now, which uh, I believe Janine is going to narrate. No way. That's awesome. Am I mistaken? Was I, was I, I not the cat out of the, the bag? <laughs> <laughs> that's the plan. Yep. The wow. Plan. All right. You're awesome. in now. We cannot edit that out. <laughs> I, mean, we could, but we won't. <laughs> I refuse. <laughs> Mark's no. the boss. I got to do what he says. There you go. That's a, yeah, that's I excellent. mean, yes, that's what's happening. Janine is narrating the book. <laughs> it's going to be super fun because I mean, it. You know, it's it's the book is told. It, it's her voice. It's not. Um, it's not a traditional. You know, making of. It's like. It's like hearing your best friend tell you all about their favorite movie, you know, like that's <laughs> that's the tone of the book. And I think it's I think it's a ton of fun. I just I love the way I love the way it came out and totally uh, back, I, I want to go back to the, uh, you know, the, the creation, because it was back in January that Janine said, I think I want to release it here. And she did set up her own deadline and she met that deadline with enough time to, you know, uh, build it and. Uh, fix the uh, you know copy edit errors and uh, and get everything ready. But yeah, like there's holy shit. Yeah, if you and she wrote like from that moment on, from saying yeah, this is going to be the deadline. This is going to be when we release it. She got to work, and yeah. Uh, and yeah, it, it, the 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 deadline was. I mean, it, you know, a deadline isn't an actual thing. If you if you think about deadlines, you know, on a, on a conceptual level, they're not physical. Like you can't, so there were, there's no, there was nothing actually forcing her to, to meet that deadline aside from will. And that's, I think that's the key, you know, is uh, she had this thing, she had this vision and it started with a question at Fangoria and, you know, it ballooned, it turned into an interview and then it became something bigger. And that's sort of, once you take that first step, that's sort of how it works, you know? That's that's amazing. Yeah, that's really important that you do talk about that because it's not just writing the book, editing it, getting you know, perhaps be, I'm I'm assuming beta readers' eyes. Um, wow, yeah. that's yeah. incredible. That's super impressive, right? <laughs> and that's all Janine. That's uh, that's a hundred percent. Not su- not surprised at this point, man. <laughs> and I think I said it while you were here. Maybe I didn't, but it'd be pretty awesome to one day see her name on a movie. Yeah, perhaps with Jed Shepard, with uh, Sean Pertwee starring in it. <laughs> um, there's a lot of excellent She's things on track. <laughs> there's a lot of excellent things coming out of uh, your side of the ocean there, Janine. Seriously, it's it's just like the sequel to the British, uh, the attack of the British uh, culture. Um, and it's amazing. Uh, I, I'm wondering if you can if you're interested in commenting on anything like that, because there's, there's always been stuff on like London, for example, in music scene, movie scene, TV scene, but outside of there, is there kind of um, maybe creators or, 
or maybe anything in, in the field that you really want to bring up because uh, the biggest audience for this show is the American audience. There's a bigger, there's a biggish audience in Canada and the, you know, Europe, but um, most is from America. So that's why I asked that question because they may not know some things that you may suggest. There's, um, it's funny because, uh, you know, we, we, had stuff obviously in Britain for for years and years you know you've got all the the hammer horror and all of that kind of stuff you know started off through here um and whether there's a resurgence of British horror coming or whether it's just always been there it's just that Hollywood kind of took over for a while and whatnot I'm not really sure but when you've got people like you just mentioned him Jed Shepard and Rob Savage you know sort of bringing things like Host and Dashcam and the fact that they're now linked with Blumhouse so you know there's more and more stuff coming out um, from them uh, you've got there's so many um, big British authors over here um, you mentioned Ramsey Campbell earlier who is another just genuinely really kind and nice person who is you know willing uh, if he's got time just to be able to comment on different things for you and whatnot and I have found that a lot within the British horror scene and I don't know whether it's because we're a smaller beast um, but people are tend to be genuinely very helpful and kind of um there's not an awful lot of competition here it's very much kind of like um if there's an anthology um and somebody um sees it and they think oh you would be good to write for that it's not a kind of like oh i'm gonna i want to write for this so i'm gonna keep this to myself it's immediate like oh you should write for this because you'd be really good um, and even just where I'm from, um, which is, uh, you know, it's uh, at least an hour on the train to London. So where I live in the southwest, um, just like, uh, you know, sort of down the road from me, we've got um, Gemma Moore and Ross Jeffrey and different people like that. And we're kind of like always there for each other, you know, like we'll message each other and say, oh, can you look at this for me? Can you do that for me kind of thing? But it's always reciprocated as well. You know, there's a lot of um, interaction, like Ross will ask me to beta read something. I'll ask Ross for a blurb for something and that kind of stuff. So we do help each other out a lot, I think. Um, and it's just easier for meetups and things, obviously, as well. Mm. Um, although I have to say that the majority of people that I work with are over in the States. Um, I've got a lot of um, sort of the... Um, podcast that I write for on a weekly basis something scary um they're over in LA as well I tend to have a lot of meetings with people in LA and think one day I've got to get over there <laughs> it's gonna happen one day um but yeah there's you know especially um you've got like Adam Neville um Tim Lebon people like that as well you know sort of that have got stuff not just their books are not doing not just their books that are doing really well but they've got um like obviously Adam's got a couple of movies out now and so is Tim and whatnot. There's more and more stuff coming out that way as well. And I think that, uh, yeah, Britain is kind of like back being noticed again by more people as, you know, sort of we are, we are bringing new stuff and, and just stuff that, you know, no disrespect to the American filmmakers and horror creators, but there's, you know, there's a lot more history here as well, obviously, because we're so much older and whatnot. Sure. And there's just the different kind of horror that comes up from here. And whether there's, you know, like with the folk horror and the legends and the lore and that kind of stuff, it's, it's different from the American kind of horror that comes out. So 
yeah, I think there's going to be more and more coming out, definitely. And I'm so excited to see what Jed and Rob and Gemma Hurley are going to do next because they're just on fire at the moment. Absolutely. Dash Cam, I haven't seen that yet, but I'd love to. And, uh, you know, speaking of like the history of England, I mean, you got you know, all the, the Germanic and English tribes and things before you were countries. And it's just I, I know a little bit about it, but not enough to really speak in full detail about it. But it's it's interesting enough where you could just in in one era of of um, of England, you could have a really, really unique uh, tale that I, I I don't think is in American culture. Um so, Brennan, you want to lead us to the next topic, man? All right. So let's let's go on to what are you currently reading? So anything that you are reading now, anything you have read recently, uh, anything you want to plug? Mark, let's start with you. Plugging. Uh, I'm reading novelization. Any, anything <laughs> that, you, uh, that your press has coming out soon that you'd like to... <laughs> Well, sausages, obviously, everyone. Buy sausages, read sausages, listen to sausages when it comes out on audio cassette. Eat sausages while you Eat read sausages it. while you read sausages <laughs> and listen to sausages <laughs> and watch YouTube videos of sausage making. Uh, it, it, sausages is awesome. Um, you know, pick up, uh, pick up a copy of Landis. Pick up a copy of uh, Wishmaster. Uh, there's, uh, you know, we got some cool novelizations. We have... Oh, this week, by the way, uh, not when this is uh, coming out, but, you know, the week that we're recording this Friday, I believe Manborg comes out. So we've got the Manborg novelization by Brett Nelson, which is going to be a delight. That looks pretty awesome. And we promise uh, we're we're getting into the, you know, fun little um, collectible. I will fly this flag, uh, but I can say no more. But we are getting into the fun little collectible you know, one-off item space uh, that like Severin and and people have been doing so well. We came up with a really, really cool idea for Manborg that we're going to announce after the book comes out. Ooh. So keep your eyes peeled for that. That sounds amazing. <laughs> <laughs> do you know what it is, Janine? Have I shared it with you? No, and you better do after this. So. <laughs> <laughs> I'll, send it. I'll let you know. Janine, what are you uh, currently reading or want to talk about? Oh, I was going to say Manborg, but Mark has now stolen that from me. (laughs) He is so rude. Because I just read it as well. uh, And it is, it's amazing. It is absolutely amazing. Um, I am decided to treat myself because um one of the things because I'm so busy now with everything else that I'm doing, one of the things that I've had to kind of let go really is reviewing. Um And it's a weird feeling when you don't review stuff anymore, because although I will still read, obviously, um, things that are are new that are coming out, you know, to be able to help spread all of that, you suddenly realise that you can read older stuff again and kind of not feel guilty about it. And I think we've talked about this before, how there is just always this feeling when you're when you're being sent things to review, um, obviously you feel that you need to read that and you have to read that and there's all this new stuff coming out. And then suddenly you're like, I've got all my Stephen King books I want to read or reread. So I've treated myself to misery. Ooh, oh, that's awesome. I'm treating myself to misery. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what a concept. Just, 
it's such a nice feeling to be able to go back because I mean we, we all know Stephen King's like it's like going home isn't it it's just comforting to oh, read yeah, it for sure um and it's just so nice to be able to read it without kind of feeling oh I feel really bad for reading this now um so yeah yeah um and I just at the minute um arcs and things for blurbs are kind of the other thing which I'm just focusing on as much as possible and uh Vitla May Mist has just sent me her short story collection for a potential blurb nice. so that's moved up obviously to the top of the list now so yeah blurbs are kind of like the, the highest and then arcs I guess uh and then just being able to treat myself and and read or even reread things that have just been sat there looking at me saying please read me again and now I'm like yes I can <laughs> that's hilarious um yeah it, it's I'm glad that you talked about older things because there's so many older books that I wish more people would talk about I mean, even like The Exorcist, like, sure, people talk about the movie, but like the book is so fucking good. I like the movie, (laughs) but the book is, in my opinion, I get why they didn't shoot certain things in the 70s, which is so good. Um, (laughs) Brennan, what are you reading, man? Uh, Hey, let's go with that older things theme. Um, I am reading Urban Gothic by Brian Keene. Um, And if you haven't read this one, I like the most succinct way I can put it is it's kind of like, what if the Hills have eyes happened in the middle of the city? Um, well, let's leave it there. I mean, if, they, if that doesn't get you to want to read it, then I don't know what to do for you. Um, right. We met <laughs> Donnie Goodman earlier. I just finished his uh, debut collection. Oh um, yeah. Killer freaking cover. Um, but really, really good stuff in there. Just a lot of like gems of ideas, you know, very sharp writing. Um, I'm I'm pretty excited to see what he comes out with next and what he can do uh, with. I think the longest story in there is like 6,000 words. And he talks about, you know, I want to try something 15, 20, novella length, novel length. I want, I want to see what he can do with different length stuff. And uh, the next episode we're recording is with Paul Tremblay. So I just started the Paul Bearers Club. Um, and it, it's really cool because, you know, Paul does a really great job of writing. I don't know if experimental is the right word, but, you know, especially if you read growing things, just he doesn't he doesn't do straightforward narrative. And this one's kind of written as a uh, fake memoir that, you know, somebody who knows the person uh, who's writing the memoir is like writing notes on, but you know, you're full of shit, you know, that's not how the way it happened, things like that. Um, it, it's, it's very, very interesting. And like any of his, his books, you know, it just, it sucks you in to see where the hell is this going? Uh, so that's what I'm reading. Patrick, how about you? Um, I'm actually finishing up. I'm like a few pages away from finishing up uh, Ellen Labat. She's like Vic LeMay missed uh, with in this specifically in the sense that they both have these kick-ass vampire series out they couldn't be any more different from each other but um they, sorry uh <laughs> i got coffee for my wife uh i will edit this part out that's let me re- let me rewind because i just started <laughs> opening his coffee from that's a good life <laughs> yeah um okay so the Sanguinarian It is what I'm reading. It's the second one. Uh, I'm not even going to attempt to say the German word because I'll probably butcher it, but it, that's for a blurb. So um, I'm almost done with that. 
And it's just she's she's a newer writer. Her first book came out a few years ago, but she hasn't put out, out anything in a while. Um, and she'll be in the anthology I'm editing uh, for Death Press. And it's a Western. I can't wait for that because her her intelligence as a person, never mind as a writer, is uh, one that, you know, you know, those types of people where you're just like, they are so smart. I just want to hear them talk because I will learn so many things. That's that's how she is when she talks about stuff that she's really excited about. Um, so that's someone I want to throw out there. And speaking of older books, you know I want to start this. You guys inspired me. Hey, uh, Lansdale, the complete drive-in. we're uh, we're in the we're in the midst of uh, doing a couple Lansdale audios right now. Uh, oh, God, the is wrapped and being edited. Nice. And uh, in the tall grass, his collection uh, is also wrapped and being edited. Uh, that's, that's and awesome. I'd like to add, Lans. You can never go wrong with Lansdale. By the way, Joe is amazing. Uh, if you've never read Freezer Burn, I think that's his best novel. And it is devastating. I have not read that. He's got so many books out, man. I can't keep there up are with so them. many books, you know, and there's like 37 happen Leonard books, and like the, the guy just keeps writing. Uh it's I think he told me one time, like if he like if he goes a couple days uh without writing, he starts to get real antsy, you know. <laughs> it's like yeah, it's just it's gotta come out, uh, which I thought was pretty cool. That's uh, awesome. But yeah, Joe, uh, Joe's amazing. We're doing some Joe books. And I also, I forgot to mention, uh, speaking of Christian Francis, he did a, uh, a trilogy of books uh, called The Animus Chronicles that we will be releasing as a compendium. Uh, all, all three books in one, which is going to be a pretty, you know, gorgeous, massive tome. That's of, a- uh, absolute mental uh, entertainment. Mental that's amazing. That's what I, that's what I call it. That's what Christian Francis writes, mental entertainment. I um there's one more lens that's funny that he brought up. I hope that because uh he, he sent he sent me a copy of Bubba and the Cosmic Bloodsucker, but Ooh, yeah, I yeah, yeah. can't talk <laughs> Bubba and the Cosmic Bloodsuckers. And it's a I mouthful. It is a mouthful, it's a tongue twister. So yeah, lots of Lansdale and Ronald Kelly's stuff that I gotta catch up on too. Um there's newer things too, but you know what? I'll I'll keep it at that because uh we all have a very long TBR. Um, <laughs> I really love how Janine, I love how you did separate that because the first year that I started reviewing, I got a, just a shitload of books and I, I couldn't read them all because I got over excited because of free books, you know, and um, it's re- books. It's really, I think it's really interesting that you did say blurb arcs fun to read because that's kind of, we can relate, we can all relate to that now. And um, that that's important to know because uh, I'm sure you guys too, I'd get stressed out and be like, oh, I can't get this in on time. Mm-hmm. And it takes the joy away from reading. And that's mm-hmm. why we, that's why we started doing this. Yeah. That's why I started the publishing company. It was like, lit- it was literally an excuse to read more books. It was like, well, now I have to, you know, it's, uh, it's great. It's work. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> now I have no choice. Right, and I'm gonna so I'm gonna, gonna, gonna turn it into a job. That's awesome, man. Uh, I'm gonna go to you to lead us to the, I believe, our last topic uh, for this episode. Is that final thoughts? No, I thought it was the editing thing, man. We never got back to that. Oh, it I was, thought, uh, Janine, you know, this is why this is why you can't. You know, I, I can't read your mind. I just I can't read it. And if I could, I wouldn't I, want I, to. I can't um, read it either, man. 
<laughs> I can't even read. What I'm thinking is, let's end the episode and then she can go back and record that answer, and Ooh. you can edit it. But now, because of that, you've given yourself more editing to do. So it does. You know, if she's fine with it, it doesn't matter. It's fine. <laughs> so, <laughs> I, what the hell? How did I even ask it? Ginny, <laughs> is there anything that you want to talk about as far as? editing anthologies um i'm just curious about what your process is and really i know you this this the clash one's not by far your first one so you've got experience in a lot of different uh areas of this i'm curious what what you would have to say to anyone that's interested in editing or anyone that's interested in pursuing editing anthology specifically um, don't be fooled into thinking that it's an easy job. That's for certain. Because just because you're not the one writing it doesn't make it any easier. Because you obviously, and it all depends as well, um, sort of what kind of anthology you're doing, whether it's um, invite only or submission only or a mixture. Um, and if you if it's your first gig and especially if it's your first kind of gig with a press that is also their first I would highly recommend doing invite only um and I am actually doing one with Encyclopocalypse um with Christian we are co-editing mm. an anthology which will be the um it's called Legends in Law um but because it's the first time that we've done it through Encyclopocalypse uh, we're doing invite only because it just makes it so much easier because obviously you have that um, control over what's coming in. Um, but when you do anything to do with open course submissions, um, be prepared for hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of submissions because, you know, people are excited. People want to send stuff in and it is hard. And that if you are also um, writing and, and this is another reason why I had to kind of cull the reviewing was because by the time I'd read like 10 stories for submissions, I didn't want to, you know, I, I couldn't even face thinking about reading again, you know, then for a review or, an, uh, you know, for something like that. So it is tiring. It is time consuming. And it is heartbreaking when you have, say, 10 places and 200 stories when you have to whittle it down. Um, so far, everything I've done has been co-editing. And that does make things a little bit easy because you obviously have two sets of opinions. Then, you know, should we use this one or should we use that one? And sometimes you can palm it off to your co-editor. I can't choose between these. You're going to have to choose for me kind of thing. <laughs> Um, but yeah, it's it's very rewarding. Um, again, as with anything that I do, I'm all, I'm very very honest with the people that I'm working with. Um, I am very interactive with the people that I'm writing with. So specifically, when we did um, Slasher, um, anything that you know, we had like a group chat, and and you know, there wasn't any part of the process um, once we'd got to obviously the selections and everything, which was um, kind of hidden from the authors. So I let them know exactly what was happening at any stage. And they all very much appreciated that as well. Um, and, and that's the way that I approach it. It's kind of like being an open book and being, uh, yes, you're editing it, but you're also there uh, to kind of like, you're almost mother 
to your authors as well. You you know, you need to be there to answer any questions that they've got because they're entrusting you with like their baby, their words, which they've mm. given to you to be able to do something with. They, they're putting all of their faith that you're going to do something properly with this now, put it out in the world, um, promote it, you know, make money for them and all of that kind of stuff. So it's it's really, really hard. It's really, really time consuming, but it's very rewarding as well. It really is to be able to say that you've had all these beautiful stories and you've got to put them all together and then send them off. And, you know, it it is a a wonderful feeling to be able to know that you did that. Mm -hmm. Um, I would definitely say that it helps being a writer yourself to be Mm. able to pick out um, different bits and pieces. and, um, And obviously with the editing side of things as well, um, when you're copy editing or line editing the stories, it helps to have that writer's eye. Um, and again, that was something that which we were very interactive with the authors. Um, if it was just a typo or something like that, you know, we don't bother to let them know of the track changes and things. But if it was anything structural, then obviously it is down to them to agree to those changes and all of that kind of thing. But it's just that being very open and kind of being like, this is amazing. I love the way you did this. But if we just changed it around that little bit, I reckon it could be even more amazing kind of thing. And luckily, everybody that um, that has submitted for the, the, the anthologies that I've worked for so far has been like, yeah, definitely. Yeah, I agree with that. And I'm the same as an author when I've sent stuff. Um, Kenneth Kane was one of the best editors I've ever worked with. You know, mm. he took this, you know, my story um, and kind of said, this is brilliant. But what if you add this, 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 and this? And that's what a really good editor can do as well. They, they're obviously they, they're they're there to they're there to make your story even better. They're there to improve it, and they're there to make you have an enjoyable experience to make you want to come back to the press as well. Mm. You know, if you if you submit something um, and then you kind of have a terrible time with that editor, you either never hear from them or. Um, or they're rude to you or anything like that, then you're not going to want to promote that anthology. You're not going to want to work with that press again. So it's just about, you know, it's being open with people. It's being honest with people. It's being polite. And they all, again, they all said that just like my enthusiasm for being like, this is our book. We're going to put it out now. Let's do this podcast. Let's do this, you know, everything kind of thing. And um, yeah, it's, it's always been enjoyable, but it is hard work and you have to have time dedicated to it because again, it's people are trusting you. And if you say that the responses will be out at this time, you better bloody make sure that you do that because people are waiting. And again, as authors, we know what it's like to be constantly checking your emails. Am I going to get an acceptance or a rejection today? Am I going to get something? And that not knowing is horrible. So I made sure that people knew in a very timely fashion, which gave me a lot of work as well, because I gave personal responses to every rejection. Oh, wow. (laughs) Wow. I don't know that I'd do that again because it was, and especially with the Clash one, obviously we've got loads and loads and loads of um, of submissions. But um, I kind of wanted to be able to say, you know, I loved your story. Um, and if we'd have had a hundred stories in this anthology, then, you know, but, but at the end of the day, we couldn't because of this or this. And then just gave them positive feedback, maybe a way to, um, like, if you were going to send it again, maybe I would just do this kind of thing. Or just at the end of the day, it was a perfect story, 
but I already had one that was exactly the same theme, you know, mm. and you can only have within a, an, a, you know, a themed anthology, you don't want 20 that are more or less just Friday the 13th kind of thing. I've already got one that's set in a summer camp for like that. I can't have another one and just be honest with people. That's... I waffled way too much then. No, 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 no. I was just thinking quite a few times. This is an incredible. I didn't expect that long of a response, but that was amazing. Um, <laughs> let's. <laughs> I don't really have anything to add to that because I was. I think that was perfect. So showstopper. Yeah. So I'll just say, uh, Janine, where can people follow you? Twitter is the best place to find me. Um, Janine Pipe Twenty Eight. That's where I tend to hang around the most. Is that a pint you're drinking, by the way? It's a pint glass, but it is oh. water. Oh, okay. <laughs> pint of water. Come on, what is this? <laughs> uh, I have an orange here that I've peeled, and I'm going to take a bite the second the camera cuts. I'm just going to cram the whole thing in my face. <laughs> Mark, where can people follow you, man? <laughs> Uh, basically, you know, reach out to people, and if you're lucky, they'll let they'll give you my email. <laughs> <laughs> but go to but Encyclopocalypse has uh, Twitters and Instagrams and all those things. Uh, so ch- you know, just uh, try try to spell Encyclopocalypse, and uh, you'll get there eventually. <laughs> yeah, good luck. There were riddles, as my wife calls it, in Pocacycalypse, which just which I absolutely. <laughs> It's even harder to say. <laughs> and, yeah, and that's not even her, you know, trying to be funny. That's literally <laughs> trying to say the name of the company. Your endorsement for your own products are kind of funny. And, and I just think that they're, they make people, they will make people want to search. Well, try. you know, it's like the whole point of this is to have fun. Like if, uh, yeah, I'm, I agree. Yeah. You know, so, um, so I'm I'm not I'm not being like I'm not being uh, taking shots. Here. I, yeah, I agree. No, no. I, I you know it's uh, it's it's supposed to be fun. So I I, I appreciate the acknowledgement. You know, like yeah, uh, if I'm sitting here just being all serious about all, like that's not no one no one wants to hear that. <laughs> I, I don't want to hear that. Yeah, so, yeah this is uh, this is the way it's supposed to be. This is great. No, that's why I post uh, for the podcast. That's why I post picture like after we're done talking, I'll post a little something just for garnering some interest in the episode. And that's why I try to always post smiles. Yeah, people are are finding the book. And uh, that's that's the thing I wanted to. uh, I had a final thought, which was uh, Justine or Janine talking. (laughs) It's 8 a.m. here, everyone. And I'm and I and I was at Monster Palooza till three last night, three, three in the morning. Holy smokes. Uh, and then I had a 45 minute drive home from Pasadena to Orange County. Uh, so I'm uh, I, if if I'm not making sense, that's why. Uh, <laughs> yeah, but Neen said, uh, you know, the 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 whole concept of being, you know, that uh, that positive uh, critique, the positive uh, criticism is it's a lost art form. You know, everyone is so negative. Everyone just wants to go online and have the funniest review about what a piece of shit your thing is. Hmm. And like that, you know, what's the, what's the point of that? Uh, Who's that helping? Who's that uplifting? And if something isn't to your liking, you know, don't, don't tell me what an enormous uh, steaming turd in a bag of raccoon, uh, you know, uh, rancid meat. I don't know what the whatever people, you know, try to be more and more clever to build on their insults now. Like this whole game of uh, of trying to make the funniest, wittiest 
devastating, you know, comment about what someone is spending their time doing is it's a stupid game we're all playing right now. I don't know. I don't know why that's a thing that's happening. Uh, but uh, what Janine said about, you know, providing that criticism about, uh, that that uh, enhances it, you know, that uplifts it, that this is awesome. But I think it would be more awesome if not this is shit. Change it. You know, like there, it's it's that you're saying the same thing. It's just how you say it. And I, I, I think, you know, I just that's what I want to promote is, you know, is being a more uh, being even if you don't like something, you know, uh, make it ter- turn it into a positive thing. Like it, it wasn't for me, but I can see how people would like it. Like it doesn't it's not that hard, you know, to not be a dick. It's really not a hard. Agree. And you beat me <laughs> to the punch. I was going to ask what your final thoughts are. So Good final thought too. hell yeah. Jenny, what are your final thoughts? Um, just, I know a lot of people will probably, um, kind of look and see that, you know, like, oh, how did she do that? You know, and I have had comments like that as well, you know, sort of people that have perhaps been doing movie critiques for 20 odd years and would probably have loved a gig like this. And then they kind of look at me and think, you know, how did she suddenly creep into this and manage to get that? But um, it was through hard work and, uh, you know, and just that constant talking to people, finding the right angle for things and stuff like that. And so my final thought would be if you have a dream, if, if there's something that you really, really want to do, don't listen to the people that are kind of going to be negative. Just go for it, because yeah. the worst thing that can happen is it doesn't happen. And then you haven't lost anything, you know, and, and maybe nobody even needs to know that you tried it. But if it does happen, then you could be in the same situation that I'm in right now. And it's just an amazing, you know, I still daily kind of pinch myself and think, oh, I can't believe I've done that. <laughs> as, the, as the old cliche says, you know, you miss 100% of the shots you never take. Yes, that's, exactly. that's absolutely true. Yeah, and uh, I'll, I'll give my final thought. And then you, Brennan, please. Um, thank you, as always, Janine, for coming on. Mark, thank you for joining us. It's, it's really cool hearing from. We love having publishers on. In fact, Thanks you're right. Yeah, yeah. Uh, we'd like to have you on too eventually for a solo thing. So that'd be cool because uh, you know, obviously, we wanted to focus on Janine and sausages. So it'd be cool to focus on your thing too eventually. Um, and Brennan, thank you for being a part of this as always, man. And listeners, we appreciate you spending your time with us. So Brennan, what are your final thoughts, sir? Oh, gee, I thought you were going to skip me there. It sounded no. like it. Um, <laughs> no, no, I, psych. <laughs> we, we appreciate the hell out of both of your your, your times. Um, Janine, um, obviously always a pleasure to have John Landis's best friend on here. Um, and... You know, Mark, we appreciate you pulling, you know, what amounts to an all-nighter and then still, you know, coming to join us uh, and still somehow being with Patrick. Good work. Again, thank you for having me. This was was awesome. And you guys are awesome. And, uh, you know, thanks thanks for wanting to talk about the book. The book's awesome, too. Yeah, yeah, definitely get a copy of uh, Sausages. It's it's a really excellent book. It's a big bastard of a book full of <laughs> everything you would ever want to know about this movie. Gorgeous, gorgeous cover art. And you can even learn about the fake Anne Fleming, which we never talked about, which now you have to read the book to find out. Cliffhanger. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Next episode is 153. That's with Paul Tremblay. 
And as always, you have made choices, guys. Yeah. And then following that is the infamous Edward Lee, who you cannot follow anywhere either because he does not, doesn't social media. <laughs> he, it's not for him. I don't blame him. But listeners, you have many choices in podcasts. Thank you for picking us. Oh, <laughs>